Thank you for joining us on the Anchor Conversations podcast, where we are bringing your Sunday into your weekday. Our goal is to invite you into the conversation that's happening when we're preaching on Sunday mornings by giving you an opportunity to ask questions and to continue to interact with the text through this podcast. Let's get started. Well, hello and welcome back to the uh, Anchor Conversations podcast. This is Tyler. I'm back after my load management. Yeah. Uh, thanks for covering for do you me. Feel, do you feel rested and like you're working out all the kinks, you know, like your ankles were kind of sore, you know, you just, we just want to make sure we, <laughs> we didn't tax you too much. You feel like you're back to hundred percent now? Well, I don't feel like I'm at a hundred percent ever because I have young kids, but you know how that right. is. Right. But I As do feel rested. Good. As a hundred percent as you could pop maybe possibly be like, are you yeah. feeling like you're like, all right, yeah, I'm ready to, ready to roll on this. Totally. Actually, I more feel like it's been more than a week. I'm like, how do we do this again? How do we do this podcasting again? So we'll figure <laughs> it out as we go. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this week we are discussing your sermon uh, from the parable of the sower in Mark 4, uh, with chapter, chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Uh, your big idea was as you walk with Jesus, transformation follows. And uh, you kind of walk through these three factors of transformation that the soil matters, the response to Jesus matters, and the fruit matters. And then talked about what that means for us. Um, so, you know, common, obviously a common parable. A lot of people have heard of the parable of the sower, which I know those are always more challenging sermons when everyone's heard the sermon preached before. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you're like, uh, you feel like, hey, you know, I had, yeah, I had a pastor 10 years ago preach this, changed my life. What are you going to give us? It's that kind of thing. Like, oh. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. You have to live up to everyone's life-changing expectations. Yeah, exactly. And everybody kind of, yeah, it, including my own, because I've heard people preach this too. And you're like, oh, okay, got to make sure I'm not, you know, make it my, make it your own and make sure that it's clear and all that kind of stuff for everybody. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, something that you, that you drew out that I, I actually don't know that I've heard a lot when people preach this, uh, this parable but I think is right um, is that it's a warning passage for us mm-hmm. um, and that you even, you even used that in your application that we should ask and evaluate and, and check ourselves type of thing. Um, and what came to mind for me as you were talking about that idea of it being a warning passage was this question, uh, what do you think is the most applicable of the warnings for us at anchor? Just broadly speaking, I know that there's, it's actually a hard sermon to preach because there's a lot in there. You could spend a whole sermon on each one of those soils and then all the warnings associated with them. Uh, but just think broadly about the people at Anchor. What is the most applicable warning for us? And then how might we know if we're in danger of missing Jesus as it relates to that warning? Good question. I, um, yeah, in- I mean, it, it is it is hard because there is a lot in here and you wind up having to fly through certain things and you can't hit everything. And, you know, I knew I was going to go a little longer than I wanted to anyway. And so you you do kind of pass over some things as you get through that. Um, I would encourage you to maybe even apply this. Uh, go back and reread it. Like if you're going back there, try and pick it apart and study it and cross reference it because he does re- he does reference Isaiah six. Um, you know, you can go back into Isaiah six and study that, like do that. That's part of the application here of like cultivating soil. We're going to talk about that. I think in a second too, just how to cultivate some soil. But, um, 
I would say, I mean, it depends on, I would say specifically to everybody individually, it really is where they, where they're at. Cause my, I'm assuming that some, there's going to be some people that are listening um, on Sunday who just aren't Christians. They know it. Um, I'm assuming that's going to be the case for some people at church who are coming in. They just know it and that's okay. Um, they don't, you know, it's, you know, that for them, it's okay. They're like, ah, I'm just not, I'm not going to believe. Um, so, and then we could hit through probably all the other ones too and say, here's the most applicable. I would say, generally speaking, probably for us in the East Valley of Phoenix, um, in 2023, it would be the thorny, the thorny ground, um, the ground with the thorns in it that kind of chokes out what's going on. And the reason I say that is because I think that we can, um, we can look pretty good, um, and we can put on a good face and a mask and a badge, like I was talking about. We have the badge, the Jesus badge. Um, and we are more affluent, not everybody, but you know, generally speaking, we're more of an affluent area. Um, there's a lot of cares of the world, jobs pull at us, um, you know, a love of comfort pulls at us. Um, you know, even good, I mean, none of those are bad things in and of themselves. A, a desire for, you know, vacations pull at us. Um, you know, things that we just feel like I, I have the resource, I have the means. And so we wind up getting distracted by 10 different things. Um, and politics pull at us, you know, we have all of this coming up. We have elections in America. We have, so, I mean, I, we could probably go down a list and just say the things that are going to be distracting us, the things that are going to, and maybe that's a good way to think about what are the things that just distract us, um, from, from seeing Jesus is big enough. Um, I think, and, and really wanting something else. I think those are the things that are going to be re really the, the, probably the primary warning for us is just to make sure that in our own hearts, in my heart, Tyler, in your heart, and anybody that's listening to this in our hearts, that we aren't so consumed with the things of the world, that the things of Jesus become secondary, but that we become so consumed with the things of Jesus, that the things of the world become secondary and in their secondariness, they become a mission. I think that that's the, that's really the, um, the crux of it. Cause we are all evangelists. The question is, is what are we evangelizing? Which gets to my live it out point of what do people know you for? Because there's people that are going to go out there and they are going to, um, talk the most about, um, again, I hit politics. I don't want to hit, hit it too much more, but you know, you have a political party or you have a, a news organization you like, or you have a podcast that you like, that's really, focused on a, a thing. And so um, you talk about that the most and you're trying to get pe win people to that the most. And then before you know it, you're an evangelist for something that's not who Jesus is. Um, and again, I think social media hits this a lot. So um, that's kind of what I, that's kind of how I'd answer that. I think it's that, that third category, you have the atheist or the person that doesn't just, they don't want to believe. Then you have the people that, um, you know, more want to be comfortable suffering hits we have some of that, but I think I really do think it's that third category. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I had the same thought. And I actually, before your sermon, I was been listening to this really good book and he just made a passing comment about how uh, in America, we uh, we flush water down the toilet. That's cleaner than what half of the world drinks. And I was like, whoa, uh, that is gross and yeah. um, and probably true thought about that but yeah you know um but just the idea of you know what we have in wealth and in 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 mark what jesus says of it is the deceitfulness of wealth that that's the weed that can kind of choke out 
um, our faith. And I, yeah, that stood out to me too. I mean, yeah, it, the thing about weeds is that we're we're called to to or you know if you're if you're a gardener if you're a farmer your job is to pull them up, and that's a, you know just all that imagery. I think there's a lot there to think about. Okay, not that wealth itself, not you know pull up your wealth and throw it away necessarily. I maybe there is someone who was told to do that in the Bible, but not necessarily that, but the deceitfulness of wealth. What what aspects of our wealth are lying to us? about either our place in the world, our place before God, our place before others, our importance, um, I don't know, our value. Where, where are we being lied to by the things we have? And then are we pulling up those weeds or what are we doing with that? You know, do we even care? You, you can't serve God and money, right? So you so as the example, you can't serve God in my own image. You know, God, Sorry, not God in my own image. You can't serve God and my own image, my, my self-prioritization. You can't serve me and God. Like I, that's not the two things get separated because you really are. Um, I think what the Bible's talking about there is to have, to have a separation in my heart between this thing that I'm serving and I'm giving my life to money, my, my own social status, um, my, my own political party or views, um, my own, um, whatever it is, desire for vengeance and bitterness with somebody, I'm going to serve this. And then I'm going to also serve Jesus. It, it doesn't work because Jesus calls us to full surrender to him. It's not like part partially, I get to have two different things. You see that all through the old Testament. So all through the old Testament, it's, you know, people trying to worship the Ashtaroth on the hill and the Lord, or, or, you know, splitting their, splitting their allegiance between, um, you know, this God over here and, and God, or, or, or Aaron making the golden calf to, to, you know, pray to and, and God that, that doesn't work. Um, God is a God who is, um, he is jealous for his, his worship. And not jealous in a way that we would, you know, in a sinful way, he's jealous because he's worthy of it all. And so he, he won't, he won't bear, you know, bear with that. And for us, our hearts are, are, are too simple. Like, I mean, we are just simple beings. We're dust. And so we, we drift towards serving things around us because they bring us something of comfort or they bring us something that we enjoy, or we want the social status, or we want people to think highly of us or or we want vengeance. We want retribution. We, it feels good to be angry. It feels good to gossip and slander. It feels good to all these things, like whatever it is that in our lives that we struggle with. And we like to, we, we quote unquote, serve or idolize or bow down to, um, when it comes down to it, we can't serve them both. And so I think really what he's, he's trying to, to get at here is, is the one that is in the good soil is the one who soaks up the word again, not perfectly, but who soaks up the word and the desire is to um, give give everything for him to get to live a life that is um, following Jesus. You know, the disciples follow Jesus, um, not perfectly. You know, one of them will betray him, so he followed him to his own detriment because he he wasn't really a follower. I think that you can actually say he was probably uh, the second maybe the second person or the third person here, uh, of a heart who, you know, hardship came and he was like, Nope, or money came. And he was like, I'd rather have the money, um, than Jesus. 
which again is the warning. Like there's a warning that, hey, we have to finish our race. Let me just say one more thing. Paul says this, because this is a hard theological concept, I think, because we, you know, we, we live in a theological grid. I believe it with all my heart. You, you don't lose your salvation. Who God calls, he will, he, you know, that person goes to the end. You know, we have, there's a lot of verses, Romans, um, he will also justify those he justifies. He'll also glorify he who began a good work and you will be faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. And so we believe that that's the case, but Paul is, there's a tension because Paul is constantly clear in his, in his speaking about his own life that I want to finish my race. I want, I want to keep the faith. I haven't yet attained the goal to which I've set out and, and, and worked towards. I haven't done that because in his theology and in his mind, perseverance to the end is the mark of the Christian. It's the one that just like, hey, I I have made it, which is why at the end um, of 2 Timothy, his last letter, he says, I fought the good fight. Um, I finished my race. I kept the faith. And there's just a good, like he is in, excited by that um, because the grace of God in his life has brought him through all the hardships all the things that he's walked through to get to the end. And that's the call for the, for us too. That's the call for us as Christians. Yeah. So in a related question that someone texted in, and um, this is a side note, but they actually texted this in around 6 PM on Sunday, which is, is great. And actually uh, this is someone who clearly saved the number and then sent a question in later, which is totally what we want. So thank you for doing that. Um, and, and just as a note, you can do that anytime. Um, you know, we typically record the podcast on Tuesday afternoon from Sunday morning. But even as you're listening to the podcast, if a question comes up or you need us to elaborate or you want to push back on so whatever it is, um, you can always text that number. Uh, so that's just kind of a side note. But um, this was texted in later in the day. Um, as you were talking about the rocky soil, you said a few things about Christians feeling distressed. The quote was, I don't think you can genuinely follow Jesus without him pushing some buttons in you that are going to cause you distress. Uh, and the person who texted in said, my family was discussing this after church, and we would find it helpful if you might expound on this a little more and perhaps give an example or two of what this might look like for some average people at Anchor Church. I love the fact that they texted this in also at six o'clock. That's just, and then that they're talking with it with their families. Again, we're trying to bring... Um, Sunday morning application into the, into the weekday. So we're trying, we're trying really hard to do that even in this podcast. And I love that that's taking place. Um, yeah. What I meant by that, and, and I, and I hope this is makes sense, but what I meant by that is that when, if, when we live our lives as, as Christians in a broken world, in a world that sin is here and, you know, we're, we're living amongst uh, sinful people and, we have desires, you know, a lot of the biblical language of, you know, we're in a war, you know, we, we, we have this sin, sinful part of us, the flesh, and then you have the godly part of us, you have the spirit, um, you know, the flesh is, uh, the spirit's willing, the flesh can be weak, all of that stuff. We're going to, we're going to be confronted, I think, with truths of the scriptures and calls by the Lord Jesus, our King to live certain ways and to put some, some things aside that really don't, um, you know, that really don't honor him or, or maybe that make us uncomfortable to feel like a need for him. There are just things that, 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 
I just think that the the whole, even the biblical paradigm, the biblical arc, I think you can see that Moses is a good example. You know, I just, he put in situations where he's trying to lead the people, the people of God, um, Daniel, um, Joseph, like you just go through the, you could probably go through Peter. Peter gets to the spot of having to, you know, he reevaluates things. He's corrected by Paul. There's things that, that happen. So I just think that that's the, that's the framework of the Christian life. It's just looking around and saying, you know, how do I, how do I live my life here in this world and um, day by day grow to look more like Jesus and to, to do that? I, um, you know, that could look like, I, you know, I just don't enjoy uncomfortability. I personally don't, I don't enjoy suffering. I don't enjoy struggles. You know, when hardships come in my life and um, something difficult happens relationally with someone or, you know, you're challenged with something to move to, I don't know, do something that's just, it brings me to a place of feeling um, not in control, needy. I, I don't know what to do next. I, tr I run from that. I don't, I don't love that. That's something that I struggle with in my own life. Um, but I think that in those moments, you can look back and you can see how God works through those things. Um, you know, even in my, even on uncomfortability, even if I'm struggling, even if I'm outside of my comfort zone, um, which is a basic one. I think easy ones that maybe we could globally apply. Um, you know, am I willing to, and these are, these are simple ones. I'm thinking of the church, but are you willing to give your time for others? I mean, are you, are you engaged enough with, with, with people in the church to say new people in the church that if they come in, you're just like, Hey, I'm willing to give up my time. Like, would you want to come over and spend, you know, have lunch with us. That's hard because especially if you've served on Sunday, you've got, maybe you got up there early and you, um, you know, you helped set up and you're, you know, then you're at church and then maybe you help to tear down and to then spend more time feels like I've done enough. I think I've given enough. Right. So we, we can deal with those things. Um, it just pushes us outside of our, our comfort zones, especially if those people are hard to love. Like there's people that God brings into our lives that are difficult to love. Some people are just, we get along immediately. We, we, some people are cat people, some people are dog people. We can't get along, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, am I willing to lay my life down for others? Am I willing to do that to my own detriment? Am I willing to say no to this good thing over here? That's totally fine, but that would take me away from serving others. Am I willing to say no to that so that I can be here and serve others? Um, that's a good question. I think those are things that we can, we can talk through. Um, are you inviting people? Are you actually on the ground serving? Are you on the ground uh, evangelizing your neighbors? Are you willing to do those things? Which really, I just think when it comes down to it, some of that are choices we make. We just start, we just start desiring or choosing certain things. I don't think it's rocket science. I really don't think that it's like some mind blowing thing. Um, most of the time, I think it's pretty benign, but, um, you know, in this culture where now one out of four, um, you know, times a week, it used to be like three out of four times a week. People are, you know, coming to church as a regular attenders. Now it's like one or two times a week. I mean, it's, it's hard to serve both in the church and serve others and to be around and to demonstrate your hospitality and to, um, you know, to do all that. Uh, when we're tired, when we're just want to do what we want to do, if we're not there, if we, you know, if we aren't willing to sacrifice and be pushed and stressed and 
Um, so the, I'm just trying to come up with really easy ones. Like as we're talking about the church, I mean, you could, we could go on a lot of different ones here, but those are, I don't know. That's kind of how I would think through that in terms of distress. I don't think it, it could be that you get people, someone gets sick and you have to really trust the Lord in that. It could be that stuff too, you know, but I'm, I'm thinking more high level, easy, like easy pickings. Like this is some of the things I think through. Yeah, I'm going to give some harder ones because uh, what came to mind for me, it actually combines the last two questions. So this idea of, you know, the deceitfulness of wealth and that being something we need to guard against and Jesus inviting us into distressing things, you know, some uncomfortable things. Yeah, I wonder if there's opportunity for us to pull up those weeds by by really intentionally giving up uh, some of the things that that uh, could be trappings even like could be deceitful trappings so like for instance you know and, and we're not like i don't consider myself as is like super wealthy we're below the the median income in our city um not not way below we were way below and then i got a raise but we're, we're still below that that number so i'm not like oh you know i'm i'm super rich but i do feel like in america and, and in the east valley in particular there's a level of wealth and keeping up with the joneses that we're all trying to do and, you know, we want to push back against that. So we, we just went um, camping the other day or this last weekend. That's why we weren't there. And we had someone watch our house who is currently houseless. So we thought, hey, it'd be a great opportunity for them to have a roof for a few days. And we also need someone to watch our dogs. But there was easier people we could have asked. You know what I mean? So it's, it is a little bit distressing when you come home and things aren't quite what you'd expect, right? Those are just opportunities to go, okay, I see a problem. What am I going to do about it? Now, there's a hundred other things that we're not doing, right, that we could be. But I think stuff like that where you go, what is the what are the problems in my community? Uh, orphans, homelessness, uh, immigrants, immigration. There's people in need who, you know, if they're, if they're here, I just learned this recently, if they're here uh, and they're, they're waiting uh, their asylum case, they can't work for three years. A lot of those people who come in are Christians. Uh, who's going to help them for three years when you can't work? You know, how, how do we use our resources to just care for people? Those are distresses that I think Jesus invites us into um, that, that we could say, OK, how can I how can I both pull out the weeds that might choke out my faith, the deceitfulness of wealth and walk in the, the into the distressing things that Jesus might have for me just in caring for others. So I know those are bigger. Those are harder. Those are things that, you know, I mean, we only have one house. We don't have multiple houses. So it's, there's only so much I can do. Right. But yeah. if you've got means, what can you do? You know, what can you do to help people? Yeah. I think we, I think that that's, yeah, that's good. I mean, and I think that I would just say, and so on, because I think that there's a lot of things that we could specifically hit and address. Let me hit one more in the church though. Um, we got, we got people in our church. I don't know if anybody knows if you're listening to this, um, who are, serving in anchor kids like two or three times a month because they're trying to serve kids. Like it's distressing sometimes to have to feel like, man, I want to serve in kids. Like that's hard. You know, you miss a Sunday. I don't want to miss a Sunday. That's a distress. But the question is, that's good. Called, yeah. Called to serve each other. We should look at that and go, hang on. There's people serving two or three times a month in there. And they're not in service those two or three times a month because they're trying to serve kids. Um, I, you know, like maybe somebody could, maybe somebody that's listening to this right now, isn't serving anywhere. And you could say, Hey, maybe I could give one of these people a break because 
um, it's a way to, it's a way to distress. Like that's part of the deal. Like we, we just want to make sure that we're thinking about other people. So, yeah, that's good. All those body passages in the Bible, if you really draw them out to their end are kind of distressing because you have to think about, uh, the, the church in terms of family, in terms of your own body, man, in terms of household, in terms of temple, all of these things that require a lot. And that can be honestly distressing when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good. Yeah, it can. Yep. All right. So we had another question texted in um, that said, in light of the statistic that uh, 50% of Christians are not reading their Bibles, what's a good way for a Christian to start reading their Bible? Yeah, this is good. I would say, and I like this question, um, because sometimes we can get into a mentality, myself included, where the good Christians read their Bibles and the bad Christians don't, um, or the good Christians, you know, um, if you're really, if you really love Jesus, then why wouldn't you spend an hour a day reading your Bible? And uh, I want to dismiss all that because we're saved by Jesus. We have that in us. Like we, he, he's working us, the spirits in us. Um, so if you're feeling guilty for not reading your Bible, let me just try and, you know, push that aside and go, Hey, there's, there's no, no condemnation for anybody like for thousands, well, I shouldn't say for thousands, for hundreds of years anyway, nobody could read the Bible because it was in a different language. So people that were common, like they didn't have it. So it's, first of all, it's a gift that we do. So there's that. Um, but it is a discipline. So it's not, I don't think anybody's going to drift into it. It's like the Bible has, you know, disciplines. And the reason that we want to know our Bibles is because that's how we know him. Like there's no, this is the way that he's given us a self-revelation of him. If we read our Bible as a checklist to just say, I'm just going to do it. Sometimes that's the discipline part where we have to say, okay, Lord, help me. I'm going to take five minutes. You know, it doesn't have to be an hour, five minutes, just to open it, read a chapter um, from something, but Mark or pick something and just ask you to meet me here. And that's it. I would say, start there, start as the discipline, but but really spend time in prayer, which is also a discipline to ask that the spirit would just begin opening things up in your heart. Um, I, I don't, there is no other objective reality truth that we know of, uh, that we have, I should say, that um, we can go to that's except for the Bible, where we see who God is and all of his character attributes. And we'll never exhaust the depths that we find there of who he is. Um, we want to make sure we're doing that. So I would just say, Recognize it's a discipline. Um, recognize that you're going to make time for what matters most and choose to cultivate that soil by a five minute reading in the morning and ask, ask God to just continue to work and to see Jesus all over the place. I, I think he's, I just really do think he's going to answer that prayer. It never, it's not probably not going to feel like miss some mystical moment where, you know, the choirs begin singing and the smoke machines hit and the lights start flashing. And all of a sudden we're like, we're transported into a, um, you know, some sort of worship video and everybody's, you know, crying. It's probably not going to be that. It's probably going to be more like, okay, yeah, I read that. Okay. Yep. Jesus, uh, you know, he healed another person. Cool. Okay. Um, and we go away and sometimes we say, I'm not really sure what that means. And, you know, but I'm, but then what happens is a year of that, and you start to actually get a picture for the character of God and you, you wind up, it winds up helping you cultivate that soil to want to know him. So that's how I, that's how I'd answer that question. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think yeah, I'd resonate with a lot of that. And I agree. It is, it is a discipline. 
it's something that you've just got to decide to do and uh in the freedom of christ not not out of guilt but decide to do and then and then do um you know i listened to some some stuff on time management recently and um you know when it comes to the things that we do and don't do we'll do the things that are a priority you know um uh, we will so i think it is starts with the question of is this a priority if, if i'm not doing it is a pri- is it a priority for me um because we will find time for the things that are a priority uh, and if it's not, then why not? And should it be? And kind of working through some of those questions, um, because I think having those tough conversations with yourself even, and you know, maybe talking through that with a, a friend um, will help set you up to to have some more discipline to go, oh yeah, no, remember I talked with so-and-so about this. It, this should be a priority. Let me be more disciplined, whatever it may be. But yeah, I agree. A couple of the really practical things that I've done to have consistency reading through a psalm a day. I did that for years, probably three years. I, I did a psalm a day. Um, and, and every now and then it would be something different. But for the most part, it was just that a psalm a day. Um, and there's 150 of them. So that's, you know, the better part of your year uh, right there. And, and, and by the time you get to 150, you forgot what Psalm 1 was about. So you can just restart it, keep going. Um, so that's that's one super practical thing that I've done. Uh, some of the longer Psalms I would take in a few days, like Psalm 119. There's no way I'm reading that in one day. It's going to take a few days. That's fine. Um, and then there's uh, like, I have a devotional that's a daily devotional that I like that helps me stay on track, helps me. Um, it's only five days a week. So the other two days I've got to do something different. Usually it's the Psalms again, uh, but you know, a daily devotional or something like that, that can help you just with the consistency. And then from there you start seeing, yeah, fruit and growth that maybe you didn't, Sometimes I can't even connect it to my quiet times, but then I look back and go, oh, yeah, I guess I did read about that for a while, a while back. And now I'm starting to see the fruit. It's just like you said, it's not mystical. It's not magical. The heavens don't typically open. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's discipline. And it's and it's hard because um, let me speak to anybody who's who feels guilty. And I've really wanted this to come across in the sermon because the, the the one thing about going through a whole book of the Bible is that you're going to hit more imperative, like command passages. And then passages that are going to talk about more about the grace of God. It all exists together. It's hard in a sermon and in a p- passage like this to not just simply talk application, because that's really what he's trying to get at. Like, what is it about the heart that is, that wants to hear, you know, and is going to bear fruit? How, how was that thought through? It really comes down to asking God, to make Jesus big enough, glorious enough to, to see his death on the cross for you as being um, sufficient enough. So even like I used to hear people talk about things when they were talking about quiet times in junior high or something when I was, you know, when I was in junior high and you're like, oh, just, you know, what you have to do is you have to picture in the morning, Jesus sitting in a chair waiting for you. And then if you don't do it, he's disappointed, you know, which I think that we all kind of have that mentality. And I would just say, that's nonsense. Like, no. He loves you. He died for your sins. Um, the spirit of God's in you. So let's take off the guilt of feeling like, oh man, I botched this today. And just say, Lord, create in me a, a, a heart that desires to know you. And I can do that in the Bible. And so let me go, let me go search you out. Like, let me, and so that's where Psalm 119 is good because it does talk about, you know, the word of the Lord is pure and it, 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 there's something that happens in us. We, 
you know, um, Psalm one, we, we are by streams of living water. You know, Jeremiah talks about that where streams are, where we bear fruit in its season. And really that's, it's, it's the priority of knowing the God of the Bible and, and soaking up the soil of the word like that is, so there is, there's fruit. It's not just like, oh my gosh, I got to check a box. And this is so boring. It's well, Lord, what are you going to do with this in my life? And I want to see that fruit. I want to bear it. So I think that having that mentality too, and just not feeling guilty at I think that that's an important way to to think through disciplines on that too. Yeah, no, I agree. You want to have that mentality and you also want to balance it with, yeah, I don't know how to say it, but like that expectation, you want to be realistic. You know, I mean, I just think if you think, man, God is just going to meet me every day if I open up my Bible and I'm going to have, I'm going to walk away uh, with some profound insight or whatever, well, that just doesn't happen for most people very often, at least in my experience. No, it doesn't. You know what I mean, it doesn't happen for me. I yeah. mean, if it happens for you, awesome. But it doesn't. Right. It doesn't happen for me. Yeah. What happens? What happens for me is that I'm just, I'm just trying to to know him daily. Um, there's nothing. There's nothing magical about it. It's just I'm just trying to say, Lord, like help me see you and let me know you and. There's times where he might meet us in a, in a profound way, but most of the time it's just a discipline. Yeah. You know, it's called, it's cultivating the soil of our heart. As I talked about, what does it look like to cultivate the soil of our heart? And there's three things really that I would say, like, as you're thinking about, if you're asking to cultivate, how do we, you know, what is, how do we condition our heart to be more conducive to that scripture? I would say, firstly, um, you know, evaluate what the fertilizer we're putting in in it or on it is. So again, this goes back to what we talked about earlier. Are we primarily being discipled by news cycles, by TikTok videos, by Twitter? Are we being discipled by um, our job and the rat race of the world? And like, what's discipling us primarily? We have to evaluate that. So, so we have to do that. And then we have to adjust. um, If, if there's something that we're like, yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, that I'm getting discipled by uh, the word, by by the spirit. You know, maybe maybe it means joining a huddle group. Maybe it means joining a community just to get more of that in your life. Maybe it means opening my Bible a little bit more. Maybe it means listening to some podcasts that are encouraging, listening to music, you know, that's just going to edify and push us into him. But having more of our minds being thinking about the goodness of God in us and, and around us and what he's done for us, I think helps us to adjust, uh, to add some of that good fertilizer to the condition. And then we got to think in terms of eternity, I think in mission and not just simply today. And, oh my gosh, today, you know, this is hard. And what am I, how am I suffering today? We have to do that because we have to trust the Lord, but really to think, you know what I've been, I've been called to a, a, a hope in eternity that I get to, I'm going to experience one day. Um, my mission is to live for Jesus here. I'm going to do that even though I'm feeling crummy, even though this is hard, whatever. So really evaluate, adjust, and think, which is the acronym there is EAT. So evaluate, adjust, and think in terms of eternity. I think maybe just ways that we can be con- you know, conditioning our hearts. Yeah, that's good. And I think if we're doing those things um, regularly and taking that seriously, we're going to find ourselves wanting to read the Bible more because we're going to have, we're going to go, Man, I need, I just want to be around Jesus more. I see his goodness. Eat is the acronym, right? I've tasted of his goodness. I want more of that. Let me, let me, where is it? Where is it? Oh, it's in the Bible. Let me go back to that. Yep. I like it.
Cool. Well, we got about four minutes left. Anything uh, that you left on the cutting room floor that you wish you could have spent more time on? Yeah, the only thing that I would say um, is that when Jesus is talking in that middle section about the purpose of parables and how to interpret them, you know, it unlocks the parables. The parables are meant to illuminate. They're not meant to just shut out. They're meant to actually help people see, but people just aren't willing to hear. They're just not, they're not going to listen. And so it almost just proves that they're condemning themselves because they're just not willing to listen. But, but there also is a, pr- a promise and a hope that those that do have, have ears, those that are going to listen can, be, can move from the, that outsider category that he talks about in verse 11 to the quote unquote insider category or those that are with him. So it's not as though it's, this is like, like the game's locked here. You know, I think that, 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 that hope is out there and Jesus is, Call and Mark wants us to know too that like any parable, people that are that aren't sure what's going on, that they just don't want to hear it, they can hear it. And it's not some sort of club that we're in. It's just we want to follow him and be as close to him as possible. Um, not perfectly. And I think that's so important. You're not gonna follow Jesus perfectly. We're just not. Like we're gonna struggle, even if you're struggling, like, oh man, my life's hard, you know, my life's hard. I'm not following Jesus right now. Well, okay let's make an adjustment and let's go back and let's, let's follow him. Like that. Let's say, what does it look like to follow him? Um, and let's do that. And if you're an outsider that you can say, well, what does it mean to follow Jesus and start following him and watch what he does? I think that that, I think that those are things I, I couldn't, I just didn't have the, I didn't have the time. I think it would have taken me on some rabbit trails and would have been confusing. So I was trying to be as clear, clear as possible. But I think that that's a that's really important thing for me to mention. Yeah, well, we'll hit that a little bit this week with the um, the lamp under the basket uh, in this next section, you know, and this idea, you know, won't speak to too much of it, but the hidden parts of the parables reveal the hidden parts of your life in some ways, those those difficult uh, parts of the parable. I mean, as we talked about um, the, the, the soil with the weeds, like those those things that you've got to lean in and understand as you do that, it's going to reveal things in your own heart and in your own life. And and that's exactly what Jesus is is doing with that. If you have, again, like you said, if you have ears to hear, if you're going to lean in and listen. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that, man. It's going to be good. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's good. Hopefully it doesn't get botched. Uh, we'll see how it goes. It'll, it'll, <laughs> it, it'll, it'll serve us. So you've had, you've had, yeah, you've had time to, uh, to load manage. Um, so now you're ready to roll on a sermon Sunday. <laughs> No, don't set, you got to keep the expectations low so that you can always exceed them. Okay. <laughs> so lower that bar. <laughs> so lower the bar. Well, we hope that you hit one out of 10 free throws. And if you hit, if you hit two or three, then we're good. So there we go. Yeah. That's exactly what we're hoping How's for. How's that? Was that all right? That's, that's much better. And uh, regardless, we'll clean it all up on the podcast next week, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's what we'll make sure we fix everything. So, <laughs> all right. Well, with that, Perfect. thanks for joining us today. And we, uh, we're grateful for this chance to bring your Sunday into your weekday and look forward to doing it again next week. Yep. Thanks everybody. Thank you for taking the time to join us today as we brought your Sunday into your weekday. Our hope and prayer is that you'd continue pressing into the Lord and applying the Bible to your life as you seek to honor Jesus as King. We'd encourage you to continue this conversation with God through reading the word and praying 
and to continue this conversation with other Christians at your Anchor huddles and your Anchor communities. We look forward to worshiping King Jesus with you this Sunday and to talking to you again on the podcast next week.